You're listening to Jade Marie's Story, a daughter with hypoplastic left heart syndrome on the Child Life On Call podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Child Life On Call podcast. When your child is sick, the whole world seems to stop in its tracks. Plans and priorities change, and your number one job becomes figuring out how to get your child well again. For some of us, rest, medications, and relaxation can do the trick. But for others, it takes more. It takes countless doctor appointments, invasive medical testing, therapy, surgeries, the list goes on, and then you still may not have all the answers or results you were hoping for. This podcast features parents of children that have an illness or medical condition and gives them a place to share their own journeys and experiences. We will talk about the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, but one thing seems to remain the same. Children are resilient and teach us more about ourselves and the world than we could ever imagine. Thank you so much for lending a listening ear and opening up your heart to these families and this podcast. I'm your host, Katie Taylor. You know, you miss out on school plays and everything because they've suddenly been rushed into hospital and it's it's really hard to sort of find the balance between what you're missing out on and what you are gaining from the experience because there is still so much to gain from it that you wouldn't have if you were just the average healthy family. It's a moment that many parents on this podcast have talked about. You're at your ultrasound, pregnant with your child, and all of a sudden the mood of the room changes. Either the technician leaves or a doctor walks in to take a closer look. A million questions and thoughts and fears run through your mind. In today's episode, you will get to hear from Jade Marie from Portsmouth, England. At 16 years old and after being told she could never have children, Jade Marie was shocked to learn that she was 16 weeks pregnant. At an emergency ultrasound less than 24 hours later, she learned that the baby inside of her had one of the most severe heart defects. She was missing the entire left side of her heart. In this episode, we will hear Jade Marie describe what the journey with her daughter, Don Louise, has been like and what it's like to have a child with hypoplastic left heart syndrome. So I found out that I was pregnant and I went to the doctor and they managed to have a feed on my belly and they guessed that I was around 16 weeks. Given how far along that already was, they wanted me to have an emergency ultrasound. So the next morning, in less than 24 hours, I went for the emergency ultrasound and they took a, like a really, really long time to actually do the scan. And they said, would I like to know the gender? And I said, yes. And they said, it's a little girl. And um, they carried on and all of a sudden they got very, very quiet and they said, hold on two seconds. And they brought another technician in and then they stood there and they were both sort of like muttering in between themselves. And I had never been for an ultrasound before, so I didn't know that this wasn't, you know, the normal sort of thing that happens. And they said, so I'll be back in a minute again, left the room and came back with a doctor. He took me to another room and we did another scan and they dimmed the lights all the way down this time so he could really look at the scan. And we, I was sat there for about 30 minutes before he then turned off the monitor, put the lights back on. Um, and he held my hand and said, I'm really, really sorry, but there is something wrong with your child's heart. Um, it's called hyperplastic left heart syndrome. She is missing the entire left side of her heart, which is the strongest side of the heart. So this is the most serious heart defect she could have been born with. And we now need to leave you with the choice as to whether you want to continue the pregnancy 
um, choose comfort care, which is where they pass naturally because it is a fatal condition, or whether we wanted to go for three surgeries to hopefully prolong her life. And were you alone when he was telling you all this information? Uh, No, I was with my mother and my now ex-boyfriend. And how did you guys handle that? Was I'm sure it just felt like a shock. Yeah, it was an extreme shock. I was told I couldn't have children when I was about 13 years old. And I was only 16 when I found out I was pregnant. So it was an extremely big shock to even find out I was able to have a child and now carrying one so far along to then find that the child that I'm carrying, who is already a miracle, might not survive her first week of life if we don't go for surgeries. And hopefully that would then give her a bit longer. But they only gave us about a 20% chance of her actually surviving that first week. So it was a, it was a hell of a lot to take in all in one go, especially at my age and having to deal with the judgment that comes with that. Yeah, absolutely. How how did you handle that? And how did you make your decision about um, what the doctor had laid out for you? Well, the doctor gave me one week to decide what I wanted to do, which was a very, very short period of time to make such a monumental life-changing decision because it wasn't just my life I'd be changing forever it would be hers as well um but I did come to this decision that I was already so far along that termination would mean me having to be induced give birth to her and then they would stop her heart and that just it didn't feel like an abortion to me it felt really really dark and it felt like it would be very painful for her so I decided that you know I unfortunately um did get myself into this and it was my responsibility to take care of her and I really just wanted to give her a chance to fight I felt like she at least deserved that from me um so I did choose to have the surgeries and just hope that she'd be able to have a good life from it yeah absolutely did your mom and did um your ex-boyfriend at the time support you in that my ex-boyfriend was actually very supportive he was a lot less concerned than I was about her age um he had a lot more excitement around it Um, whereas I was taking a more serious approach to the fact that I didn't know whether this would affect me going to college or affect, like, I'd had my whole life planned out, so I knew that I would be giving up a lot to go through with it. Um, My mum, obviously, she was very disappointed in me, um, and it was very hard for me to open up to her about how I actually felt about everything that was going on because I already knew that she really did not want this to happen and she was very, very angry. And we already had a bit of a rocky relationship. So this already put, you know, added stress onto it. Um, but as soon as I made the decision that I would keep her and go through the surgeries, she was much more supportive. And she came to every single ultrasound. She was there when my daughter had her first surgery. And she was amazing from that point onwards. And it was never sort of spoken again um, about any sort of like, you know, unwelcomed feelings from having a her child have a child so young she was far more supportive once I made the final decision that I was going to go through with it yeah that's incredible because the you know as you learn the a diagnosis doesn't just affect the person with the illness it affects all the people around it so that's that's great that you guys could have a stronger relationship and and she could be there to support you um what exactly kind of prognosis did the medical team give you I know he'd kind of described that one week but what happened after that what did he say Okay, so she had a 20% chance of surviving the first surgery. Without the surgery, she would not have survived the first week of life. If we had not chose surgery, she would have passed away then and there. Um, And then after her first surgery, it seemed to have gone well. And they said, okay, we're looking at a good four years, maybe. Um, But then unfortunately, three months later, she formed a blood clot. 
um, which put her at risk of heart attacks and strokes. So they said she may only have six months to live. Thankfully, she was able to have two more surgeries before she turned six months old. And they gave her a much better prognosis. And they then gave her about a 14 year life expectancy, which is still what they're predicting for her before her heart starts to sort of fail it becomes tired it becomes overworked and the tissue is obviously scarred multiple times now so it's got a lot of work going on for it and it becomes more tired and more weak and that affects the life expectancy so then if and when she does become classed as in heart failure um they would monitor her to see if she would be able to go onto the heart transplant list but it's not as easy as everybody thinks her pressures in her lungs have to be okay her liver and kidneys have to be working fine um so that she doesn't need a multiple transplant and then even then it's you know you'll be waiting years for a heart and it has to be the right size so depending on whether she was younger or older it would make it harder and harder for us to get a heart and then even then that's still not a cure because she's got the risk of rejection and lifelong medication and checkups and everything, her life would not be suddenly amazingly better. She would still have a lot of struggles, just they'd be different struggles. There is so much to take in about what Jade Marie has shared with us. Not only was she given the ultimate shock by learning that her daughter has a severe heart defect and would die shortly after birth if she didn't agree to having life-saving surgeries, she had to instantly grow up and make decisions that would affect her and her daughter's entire life. After all of these decisions and complications with blood clots, earning her two more surgeries before the age of six months, her mom is given the heartbreaking prognosis that this heart will likely have a 14-year expectancy. It's a seemingly unbearable thought to take in. Jade Marie, though, shares this story and her experience in her real life with such strength and conviction that I am completely in awe of her. I then asked her what her now nine-year-old's daily life is like. Um, so right now we're actually living a life that I can tell you I would never have imagined. I am so overwhelmed every day by how strong she is and how much she is able to cope with. Um, at the moment, she does drama lessons on a Monday after school. She does ballet tap and modern on a Tuesday. Um, on the Thursday, she does brownies. And on the Saturday, she does swimming and singing. She's in, she's in full-time education Um which is just incredible. It's incredible that she's able to do so much. Um, we obviously make plans so that she has time to rest. We make sure that the whole Sunday we're not doing anything. So she's got the whole day to rest and recuperate and get that energy back. But the fact that she's even able to do one of all of these things would be incredible. And she just keeps getting stronger and stronger in what she's able to do. And she's really such an amazing self-advocate. She really does know how to take care of herself and how to do these things that you'd think that a child like her would not be able to do. Um, she actually, she does full day gymnastics in the half terms now, three days in a row, nine till 4 p.m. And she's without me. She does this on her own, obviously with the instructions, instructors, but she's able to tell them, you know, when she needs a drink, when she needs to sit down, when her heart rate's going too fast, when she's a bit too cyanose to carry on. And she's just, she really is the smartest little girl I've ever met. And she just handles it with such an amazing grace and just the biggest smile on her face, even when she is in hospital and her whole attitude towards her life is so positive And it really does give me, you know, hope that no matter what we're going to go through, she is going to pull through. She just sounds amazing. How does, how does she tell her friends or explain what her condition is like to her friends? Or is it just kind of a normal part of her life now? She is extremely good at explaining it to other people who don't understand. Um, she keeps it very sort of child friendly 
Um, but she can, if she's talking to an adult, go full into detail of what's happened to her. <laughs> but when she's with friends, um, the first thing they notice about her is that she has blue lips, hands and feet. It's called cyanosis and it's due to the fact that her oxygen level is much lower than a healthy child or adult. So they go, oh, you know, why are you blue? And she'll be like, oh, well, I actually I have half a heart. So you have a heart like this and she'll like hold up like a love heart sign with her hands. And then she takes away the left side and she goes, I only have this side left, my right side, because my left side never grew when I was in my mummy's tummy. And I've had some surgeries and they've kept me going. But right now I still have half a heart. And that's pretty much like the short version of her condition and how she gets that across to, you know, her peers in school. Oh my gosh, that makes me want to cry. That is such a good explanation yeah. and such a concrete way for not only her to understand, but her to be able to explain it. Um, what kinds of things does she advocate for herself? Like when she's uh, in a doctor's appointment or um, if she's going through a tough time and needs a hospital stay, how does, how does she advocate for herself? Well, she, like I said before, she's, she's very smart and she's very switched on. She completely understands what her body is telling her. So say she's at school and all of a sudden she starts to feel a bit tired um recently actually not too long ago just before Christmas she started having chest pain and most kids probably wouldn't think much of that but she knew right away that that was a red alert for her so she went up to the teacher and she said um I don't feel too good I feel quite tired and my heart hurts um my chest hurts uh, can we call my mum? And they did. They called me and we decided to call an ambulance. And she was perfectly fine with this. She's had lots of hospital rides with the blue lights. So she is very comfortable with being in ambulances and knowing that if they get called, it's OK. There's no need to panic. And she stayed very calm the entire time. And she was able to tell me so that I could relay it to the paramedic exactly what she was feeling. She said, my, t- my chest feels a bit tight. And I feel like my breathing is a bit fast and she was able to do this without crying, without getting upset. She has such a maturity about her in the way that she describes these things that you'd think would be so scary. Even as an adult myself, I would be scared if I had those feelings. But she just remains calm the whole time. and She gets the information across knowing that that's how we're going to get help is if they know exactly what's going on with her, exactly how it feels, they can help her. Whereas if we start crying and getting upset, it's going to be harder for us to get the help that we need for her. I imagine that she has kind of gained that that skill by watching you and how you have acted um, with her kind of throughout these experiences. So kudos to you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Thank I, I you. don't I don't think that kids can. I mean, I've, of course, there are amazing children who have incredible, incredible resiliency. But I'm sure watching you has had a huge impact on her. And I guess, how do you handle the stress of everything? Because you know, what you're describing right now is, is a lot to carry, especially on a every single day basis, day to day can change. How do you handle it all? I think as I've grown up with her and we've seen just how much she's really capable of, it's made it so much easier for me to cope because she's already been through so much already. I really, truly believe there isn't much else that she can't pull through. Like she was in hospital having chest tubes removed and she's still smiling, telling me silly knock knock jokes. And just she the way that she handles it, it it sort of bounces off you. And when you start to worry and then you see her smile and it's just like, you know what, everything's going to be OK. Let's not get upset until we really have a reason to, because, yeah, this isn't easy. But if she can do it, I certainly can. You know, she really shows you what true strength is and like you said, they're so resilient and they come back from anything. And I think that taking a leaf out of their book, as it were, 
is the best way to go. Um, and I just try and stay calm until things really are to like a panic level. Just stay calm, you know. Okay, we got chest pain. It's okay. We're going to take it one step at a time. Let's see the paramedic and then let's get to the hospital and just take it step by step and we will get an answer. And as long as we're in the right place at the right time, she'll get help. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as moms, we're so, we have such a hard time with self care and taking care of ourselves. And, you know, because we have other people relying on us and especially, um, in a case where you have a child with an illness, it's, it's exacerbated. So what are some things you do to help take care of yourself? I must admit that is one of my struggles. Trying to make sure that I make sure I'm okay is so hard because my mind's constantly on, is she okay? Um, I wonder if she's okay at school at the moment. Am I going to get a call from the school? Because I do get like multiple calls a day, whether she's just fallen over or like knocked around, they have to tell me everything. So I'm constantly sort of waiting for the next phone call and the next penny to drop. And it becomes very hard to take time to think about myself. So when things are rather calm, I'll just do something simple like have a nice bubble bath or um, just put on my favorite music and just jump around and let good energy fill up the room instead of that panic that you feel um, knowing that something could go wrong. Sure. I love that. Um, what would you say are some of the hardest parts about dealing with a child who has HLHS? The hardest part? Um, well, definitely the biggest one is the fact that there isn't a cure for it. And that I am fully expected to one day have to bury my child because that is something no parent should ever have to go through. And I have seen so many children, younger or older than my own, with her condition pass away. And the parents, I don't know how they handle it. It's I'm dreading that day. And it's hard because I've known that day is coming since before my daughter was born. And I mean, I was planning funerals instead of baby showers, and that's not how any parent should have to go through their pregnancy. So I think one of the hardest things is how much CHD actually takes away from a family. You lose a lot of the firsts and you lose a lot of time to spend together where you're in hospital. And, you know, you miss out on school plays and everything because they've suddenly been rushed into hospital. And it's it's really hard to sort of find the balance between what you're missing out on and what you are gaining from the experience, because there is still so much to gain from it that you wouldn't have if you were just the average healthy family. Um, but the hardest thing is definitely knowing that I will have to lose my daughter at some time in the future. And although I hope every day that that isn't going to happen and we have hope that medical advances will speed up in time for her. It's still always at the back of your mind. And I spend every morning and every night, the first and last thing I do is check that my daughter is alive. And that's, it's, it's like such a normal thing to me now when it shouldn't be, but unfortunately it is. What were some of any um, positive or surprising moments that you guys have faced throughout her illness? One of the biggest positives that that has come out of raising a child with such a severe heart defect is the people that we've met along the way. Um, because we have so many heart communities like on Facebook and things. And we're also willing to reach out to each other and swap, swap stories and become friends. And I've actually met quite a few heart families now in person. And it's given my daughter a friend who knows exactly what she's going through without having to even say anything. And they just form these amazing connections straight away and they show you what true friendship is and 
you have this like whole new family to lean on who just gets everything and there's no explaining it there's just understanding and it is really really lovely to have that out in the world and it's certainly something that I never expected to experience was the real community that the heart community have they're just so connected and really are there for each other in a way that most people aren't and it really is just amazing to see everyone come together over such a hardship yeah and you're meeting families from probably all over the world that you never otherwise would know yeah exactly um we have friends all the way over in australia we have friends in canada and we thanks to you know the miracles of technology we can facetime them and have a real connection with them even though it might not be in person so we're very lucky we've we've learned more about the world through it which is crazy we've learned some new languages through it even and it's just that these are things that you would never think you're going to experience with something that seems so sad and yet there are so many happy things that come from it um and i'm really glad that we can see the happiness in it and it's not always focused on the negatives yeah you guys are amazing um <laughs> what would you tell a parent um whose child may be going through a similar situation so i guess kind of take yourself back to that um right after she was born and you guys were going through all those surgeries what would you tell them um i would tell them that the doctors have to be honest and give you what they know but the first doctors you meet they aren't the professionals in HLHS and they don't get to watch these children grow up and live their day-to-day -day lives and one thing that they won't tell you is how much hope there is they make it seem like there is no quality of life for them and that they'll never lead a happy life and i'm here to tell you complete otherwise because they can certainly be happy their life will be different and they may not fit what people would call normal but they go far beyond that and they form these personalities that are so much stronger and so much more powerful than your average 9-year-old child and they have so much more compassion and a real zest for life that most kids don't really they don't you know they sort of take it for granted whereas my child she she sees an experience and it might be frightening and it might be scary but she'll go with it with all of her and um try to experience every aspect of life that she can um so yeah, they definitely can lead a happy life, even if it's shorter than what you'd expect. They can definitely lead a happy one. Yeah, I love that, and she is literally living that day to day. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, if you could describe what Don Louise has taught you through this experience, what would you say? Um, when you're going through the hardest days of your life, there are still happy moments within them. And you just have to look out for that. You always have to look out for the thing that's going to make you smile that day and the thing that's going to make all those hard days worthwhile. Um, because even when she's laying in bed and she's, you know, fresh out of surgery, she still will find something to make her smile, whether it's a silly joke or a funny book or just playing I spy or something, just something that makes you happy, something that makes you smile. You've always got to look out for that moment. And then all the darkness and all the hard things that you go through that day, they disappear and you remember the smile. You mentioned reaching out to other heart families. Um, what Do you have any other resources that you would recommend to a parent? Any like websites or books that you have found that have really helped? I would definitely say start searching on YouTube and Facebook. There are people sharing their stories there. Um, they'll tell you things to expect. They give you someone to lean on. Like you put a comment up saying, that you've just been diagnosed, you'll have hundreds and hundreds of families right there to back you up within seconds. They flood the comments with support and love for you. And they'll be there, whether it's one o'clock in the morning or one o'clock in the afternoon, they'll be there for you. And they will give you 
the positive that you need that the doctors can't. Um, also, there's an amazing charity in the UK called Little Hearts Matter. Um, they are purely for single ventricle families and they have tons of resources for hospitals and doctors and medical forms and stories from uh, other heart families. That's amazing. Um, if our listeners wanted to connect or there were other parents out there with kids with HLHS and they wanted to reach out to you um, or get in touch with you, how could they do that? Uh, we're on quite a few platforms now. Uh, we have Instagram, which is Louise underscore HLHS. On Facebook, it's Louise HLHS blog. And we're also on YouTube at Archer Adventures. Jade Marie is simply amazing in the way that she's able to articulate all that her and her daughter have gone through. And I still have trouble keeping up with all the activities that she listed that Don Louise is a part of. When I asked her at the end of our interview if there is anything else that she wanted to share about her daughter, she wanted to announce an exciting event that Don Louise will be a part of. In April, she is doing a theatre show with her dance team. Um, She's going to have two shows at 2 and 7 p.m. And that's like a really big thing for us. She really found a passion in dance. And it's something the doctor said she'd never be able to do. She never had the energy to do. And now she's about to do the biggest stage show of her life with thousands and thousands of viewers. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. So is she practicing all the time? (laughs) She is. She is rehearsing her little butt off. Bless her. Uh. She'll come straight home from school and rehearse. She'll be coming home from rehearsals and rehearsing. She's just got such a passion for it and yeah nothing's gonna stop her not even half a heart I love that and I'm sure her doctors are just so proud of her definitely they get very excited every time she comes in because she's always got this really crazy story to tell them about things that she's done so yeah (laughs) well thank you so much to Jade Marie for sharing your amazing story and your incredible daughter with us And thank you to all the listeners for listening to this podcast. And please make sure you're sharing it so that other parents and loved ones can find this and find connection with so many of the things that Jade Marie talked about today. Please rate and review this podcast on iTunes so that it makes it easier for other parents and listeners to find us. And make sure you're following along on Child Life on Call on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks so much for listening, and I will see you next week with a new episode.